Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, I don't know about you guys, but copywriting is something that I have in the past struggled with so, so much. Now, we all know how important it is. We all realize how difficult it is to get something right. And actually, especially if it's digital copywriting, you know, in this world of speed and this world of accountability and transparency, if you get the copy wrong on your website, on your social media profile, in any kind of online brochures that you're doing, in your SEO copy, it can be quite detrimental to the business. So how the heck do we get started with this? And that is exactly the issue that we're going to challenge today. How to write great copy, even if you have no idea where to start. And joining me on this episode is someone that has got a quite an enigmatic biography, actually, and you'll find out why in a second. I'm just going to read this verbatim to you. He is a copywriter, persuasion scientist, sales nerd, environmentalist, and hip-hop artist. But that's a different story. Now, I don't normally read those directly out, but that one is extremely curious. So let's dig into this with Mr. Liston Witherill. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm excited to be here. I one day want to hear about this hip-hop side. Okay, so that's uh, that's a true story, and actually, I, I would say that's one of the things that I've done in my life that I attribute to my love of words. Um, so when I was much younger, feels like another lifetime now. Um, I was a hip hop artist. I recorded uh, rap songs. I produced hip hop and electronic music, and I performed up and down the famous Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles for I don't know thirty, forty different shows for over the period of a couple of years and uh, decided to leave it, but still kept my love of words. That's quite curious, actually. What I quite like about that is that, obviously, doing what you do, working in copy, working in... I I love the idea of being a persuasion scientist. You know, I'm a big fan of Cialdini's work and the way that he phrases everything and looks into that kind of side of the world. And I love the idea that, okay, hip-hop feels like it's way over here and copy and digital marketing is way over on the other side, but actually, it's just all about communications, isn't it? That's what it's all about. It is. And you know, the, I think one of the really interesting things about hip hop music generally, like my affinity for it started when, you know, it was just a real alternative to any other type of music you heard <laughs> when I was a kid growing up. Like I was listening to NWA in the third grade, which my parents would have not been happy about. But, um, you know, there's a real economy of expression in hip hop, right? You're trying to communicate really big, grandiose, um, you know, challenging the status quo kind of ideas in a very short amount of time. If you write the words on the page and you look at how many words they're communicating in say a three minute song, talking about a few hundred words tops, Mm. um, average blog I produce now on as a guest post is 1500 to 3000 words. So you had to be really sharp about what you've said in that small amount of space. Um, and so, you know, I do think actually, I would attribute that experience to lending itself to me understanding copywriting much, much faster uh, than a lot of other people who take to it. So I'm not trying to blow my own horn here. I'm just saying that I come from a a background where I wrote a lot and I paid attention to maximizing a huge impact in a very small amount of space, which is 
one of the major challenges of copywriting. That is that is so well articulated, and that, that you know the way that you put that then about achieving such a high impact in such a small amount of time, and actually, obviously, a small amount of words. That's something that we all really struggle with. I personally struggle with that. I'm quite a loquacious guy. I chat and I write and I, I write in the tone that I talk. And it's very, you know, that's great for kind of communications and for emails and so on and so forth. But actually, when I start to write copy for my website, I'm thinking, man, how am I going to trim this down? So that's really curious. And just before we actually challenge that issue a bit further, what is it you do now then, Listen, What, you know, what is it that you that help people with? Yeah, great. So I run my own business. It's called Good Funnel. Um, and... What we focus on are really three things. Uh, you know, we're looking at a funnel that comes to a website. So, you know, I prefer to work with people who get over half of their leads or sales online. Um, and we look at three pieces. One is getting traffic. So inbound, producing great content, promoting that content, making sure that people know you exist, right? Because we want to have a crowd of people who see what you have to offer. The second is on-page conversion, which is um, one of the heavy, heavy ways that we use copywriting. So when people come to your page, they're going to need to know what's in it for them, why you're different, uh, what's so great about it, drive some curiosity, get them to exchange their information, right? Which typically we do through a lead magnet or some other type of offer to get them in in a soft way. And then lastly, closing sales. So email nurture, um, and basically having ways of showing people that holding out and doing nothing may not be their best alternative, right? So um, that comes in a lot of different ways. But those are the three pieces we focus on. And I consider myself a copywriter and a digital strategist, first and foremost, because I'm focused on business goals. I'm not really focused on the words on the page as much as I'm trying to figure out how do we get this business to grow the way that they want to. That, I like the idea of that as well, approaching it with the end in mind. And I think that in business generally is so important, and especially in digital marketing and marketing overall. I think too many people get focused on the tactics. We must do SEO, we must do pay-per-click because the competition are doing it or because that's the thing that people tell us we should do. And I think copywriting, personally, I think copywriting sometimes takes for granted. Owning a business that builds web platforms for people it's amazing and startling to see how little focus so many of those people put on writing and authoring very, very good copy. Is that something that you find is a general trend? Do people kind of undervalue copy? A hundred percent. And I just wanted to kind of um, comment on something you said initially in that statement, which is people become too focused on tactics. And, you know, I just spoke uh, in front of a school uh, business uh, school group of students. And I kept getting questions like, which email platform do you use? Um, how many times should I promote my content? Uh, you know, which CRM do you use? And those are all good questions, except they come way after we decide what are we, you know, what's essential about our business? What are we doing? What are we selling? Who are we selling it to? Why do they care? And so that all comes into the strategy first. And I think that's an important point to make. And you, you're 100% right. A lot of people, um, particularly, you know, one of the triggers for a lot of my customers is they're getting their website redesigned by someone like you. Um, and someone like you says, I don't know what you guys do on this website. What are you going to do about the copy? And they go, oh, interesting. Should I pay someone to do that? Or, you know, how do I address that problem? And I find what often the issue is, 
is they just haven't taken the time to figure out how do we position ourselves uniquely and how is that going to resonate with a really specific group of people we're selling to. Um, so I think those are two questions you should really think about early on before you put the uh, pen to the page. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's something that we struggle with so, so much. And I think the clients sometimes don't necessarily understand the value of the copy. And, and one thing I just want to dig in, actually, uh, dig into, sorry, Liston, is, is the idea that, and I don't know if you see this as well, but so many people that I come across tend to have, um, I guess, when they approach their copy, they feel like they have to persuade people that they are worthy to be the supplier to them as customers. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is they don't focus on what's important to the customer. They focus right. on explaining every facet <laughs> of the business. It's almost yeah. like an insecurity thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, it really positions you as sort of being defensive about what it is that you're doing, right? Like you have something to prove to the world. And that's absolutely the wrong approach. The other thing you said is, um, maybe between the lines, is if I'm making a huge effort to persuade other people why I'm so good and how my features are different and you know what my background is and all this kind of stuff, I'm focused 100% on me. And your readers hate to break it to you, they don't care that much about you. What they care about is solving their own problems. And so that is by far the number one problem I see in all of the jobs and all of the copy I touch is it becomes very focused on the business owner and the business and what the business does. And the truth is people want to know first that you understand their problems. And if you can demonstrate that you can solve their problems, right? Ergo, we've developed a solution that can help you solve these. You don't need to spend all this time positioning yourself as an expert because you've already demonstrated that you understand their specific problems. That's demonstration enough usually. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something I see all the time. And I would just challenge people to think about first empathizing with their customer a hundred percent and understanding what's going on in their life that would trigger them to consider a solution like yours. Absolutely. Yeah, I get that. And I, I think that sort of reinforces my own thoughts and the, the thoughts of the guys in the studio that, that we run, you know, that we, we frequently come across that problem. So it's nice to hear someone that actually sees that daily, having the same kind of thoughts on that one. And the other thing that I just want to pick up on as well is obviously you, you have a, a digital marketing angle to what you do as well. And, you know, we're kind of in this age of attention, of distraction and people not really spending that much time looking at things as in depth perhaps as they would do previously, certainly not without really good reason to do so. How has copywriting evolved? Has that changed over the last five or six years to reflect this distraction mindset? Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say yes and no. So (laughs) you're right that our attention spans have gotten lower. Um, There was a study put out, I forgot who it was, it was a US government study, saying that the human attention span is now eight seconds. The attention span of a goldfish, don't ask me how they measured this, is nine seconds. So our attention span is really, really low. Um, But at the same time, if you look and see, you know, how many people are watching long form content on Netflix, right? How many people are buying Kindle books? And those numbers are growing every year, right? So there's still a desire for people to have long form and in-depth content Um, But I think what you have to do is show very quickly why your stuff is worth their time. So what I mean by that is on a website, right? We talked about this economy of words and sort of the um, being able to deliver a message really, really quickly. 
so I think what you need to think about is the first time someone visits you, you need to show them really quickly, what is it you do? Why are they here? And kind of confirm for them, yes, I'm in the right place or no, I should bounce. Um, after that, we use things like graphics and headings and subheadings and titles on pages to again, communicate quickly within that eight seconds. Um, what is it that this person should get out of this page? And then if they say, oh, right, Mark, you design websites. I am looking for a website and I need kind of a focus on branding. And it seems like you do that too. Then they're going to be willing to spend more time. So if you go to my homepage, I have basically a story, a 300 word story about the typical problem I see that my ideal customer has. Um, my average time on page is somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half minutes for each visit. And the bounce rate is 20% or less often. So I, I only say that not to brag, but to say, if you're getting the right people to your offer and you're communicating it in the right way, they're willing to spend time there. You know, I've had people come from a 2000 word blog post and spend 11 minutes on my website. So it's not, it's not as if we have to sell everything that we do in eight seconds. We need to show people that, yes, you're in the right place, and I may be someone who can help you and understand you, and then you're able to talk to them. Does that make sense, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everything that you said there resonates, and especially the idea that, you know, it's back to what we said about not having to over-explain yourself. It's just let people know that you can solve their problems, you know, and, and yeah, it's right. something that is, if you're in business, small business, if, if you're an entrepreneur, a sidepreneur, whatever you are, all we're trying to do at the end of the day, and this is to, to paraphrase Chris Ducker, is all we're trying to do is solve problems. I mean, why, mm -hmm. why is it any more complex than that? And one thing I just want to actually dig into a little bit further is the idea that, Copywriting takes, I guess it takes many forms. We have to do it across so many mediums these days. In terms of branding, businesses think of branding as the visual identity. And, you know, if people are a little bit more advanced in their mindset, they think about it as the experience that they have when they interact with you. To take that one step further, how important is finding your own tone in the copywriting? How, is it, how important is it to establish the way that you talk to people? That's such a good question and a hard one to answer in a really pithy, satisfying way, <laughs> but I'll try my best. Um, and I'll, I'll start with an example. Um, MailChimp.com is a brand that I love. I no longer use the product. I don't get paid for saying any of this, but I think they've done a really amazing job of establishing themselves um, both visually and verbally. And if you look up um, Aaron Walter's brand persona for MailChimp, they show you exactly their internal document that they use to guide every piece of copy that they write. Uh, the reason I mention this is I think anybody listening to this right now would benefit from seeing that and understanding that they're not, it's not 10,000 words about, you know, we say this, we don't say that, we're this exact brand personality. My belief is, you know, I don't know how many people you know in your life, Mark, but probably after you know a couple hundred people, other people start to remind you of people you already know, right? So I, I don't believe that there's one and only one unique brand voice, and that should be what you're trying to achieve. I think if you can write from the personality of whoever is the face of your brand, so in your case, Mark, it's you. In my case, it's me. Um, then I think that that gives you an edge, and it takes some of the guesswork out of it. 
but you should make a couple conscious decisions about how you're going to write. And I think that's based first on who your customer is. And so I would say something to the effect of, should I write formally or can I write in a conversational tone? Um, do I use contractions or not? Because those are more conversational. Um, you know, do I use jargon? Uh, how much do I use jargon? Some really simple and basic things like that. Um, you know, am I upbeat or do, you know, am I sort of down on my luck and I'm the underdog? Just really basic ideas like that, I think will give you, just, just put you light years ahead of probably where you are today. Um, and will start to define a brand voice and personality that, of course, you're going to refine over time. Because some people are going to come back to you and say, hey, this thing you wrote, I really loved it. And in particular, I like this line. That really resonated with me. And you start to understand what's clicking and what's not. I love that. That, that is such a, a well-placed answer as well. And the, the example of MailChimp, I think, is absolutely perfect because they do it in their own style. And you're right, they're not alone in how they approach that. But th when you put everything together in terms of the MailChimp brand, yeah, you know, it, it sits together. It feels like MailChimp. And that that's the ultimate goal, really. It's, it's perfect example. I love that. And one thing to just move into then is we are obviously in a few moments going to get to the actionable tips to help people actually start to write great copy. But I just want to pick out some of the reasons perhaps that people don't write great copy? What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the biggest mistakes that people tend to make? Yeah. So I already mentioned this. Um, by far the first is that they're way too focused on themselves. Um, and so they're not able to communicate effectively with their customer because they're more preoccupied with themselves. That's number one. Number two is not clearly connecting each piece of copy. Let me give you an example. Very commonly, you'll see, you know, Google ads and you'll click on an ad at the top of your search results and you'll go to a page um, and let's say it's, you know, the ad says brand identity, right? You know, five ways to increase the impact of your brand. You click on it and you go to a page and then the page says, we do websites. And you're like, what? I thought I was thinking of, you know, talking about brand identity. So you clearly need to use the same words and phrases to connect each step of the things you're asking people to do. Otherwise, that process feels very disorienting. Another one, and this is highly actionable, is not having huge blocks of text. We talked about the low attention span, yet people's willingness to read. Um, and so what you should do is break text, make it narrower so it's not so wide, so it doesn't feel like you're reading in eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper um, and use bold and headlines so that people can understand quickly, just scan the page and get a decent amount of information out of it to make them curious enough to go back and read it all. Those are three things that I see very, very often. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, interesting concept that people, especially when you start to marry up something like a new website design, you you do sometimes forget that people are going to read this very differently to a book and you, you know you gave the example of the paper there but people yet still throw out paragraphs of content they put copy together which from an aesthetic perspective not only ruins the visual of something like a website but also it completely dilutes the message because people just don't know where to focus so i get that i, th I think that's i think that's a really important thing to pick up on and actually it is about time to dig into the three actionable 
tips. So listen, I know you've put together three takeaways for the guys listening out there. So let's just dig into actionable tip number one about how to start writing great copy. So number one, um, this is a quote from, uh, and I think I'm paraphrasing, but it's from Jason Fried from Basecamp.com, formerly 37signals.com. And he says, clear beats clever every single time. Um, what I would say is don't be too cute. Make sure that people understand exactly what it is uh, that you're trying to, muni- to communicate really quickly. So if you are doing websites, let's just stay on this example because I think it's pretty easy to understand. Um, and your headline on your homepage is stand out like never before. Uh, and someone found you through a Google search. They may say to themselves, well, shoot, I thought you did websites. Maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe they do branding. Maybe they do customer research. I'm gone. So a really simple and direct way of approaching that I think is much better. That's curious. And I like the idea of that. And one thing that I just want to kind of add to the back of that is that is there a likelihood for people to be, I don't know the best word for this, but I guess a little afraid of it. So, you know, we're going to have to edit. We're going to have to be very confident. We're going to have to chop down what we are saying. And in your experience, listen, do you find that people are a little bit nervous about doing that? Do they want to get everything in because they want to get it all in there? Uh, they do. And I think if you just remember that people don't care as much about your business as you do, then you'll feel a little bit more comfortable cutting stuff out. But yeah, the real challenge is just figuring out what is essential. And that's going to be a subjective decision that you have to make for yourself and kind of, you know, trial and error, figure out what works and what doesn't. But if, if you're, you know, toying with a couple headlines or pieces of copy and one is extremely clever and requires some inside knowledge in order to understand and another is totally clear, but maybe a little bit dry, I would definitely vote for the clear one. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I think that just from my perspective, seeing the, the clients that we sometimes work with, that a lot of the time is a confidence thing. They're very shy of being that bold and, and it, to them it does feel like they're being quite bold and quite brassy with it and it's only because they're perhaps not used to, to writing in that manner it's no different to what they would read on a website and think nothing of but because it's them putting that content out there they feel a little bit worried about doing that is that something that you come across is that something that you have to help people through uh yes absolutely and i think the the thing that i see is the hardest for any of my clients and, and people in general is just um, being able to draw a line in the sand and say, I do this, but I don't do that. This is my ideal customer, but this person is not. Um, they're afraid that if they position themselves in a strong way, that it's going to scare away other business. Um, I have on my homepage that I do work for um, tech and info businesses. Now, I still get all kinds of people coming to me um, saying, I need your help with stuff. Um, who are way outside of those areas. But I think what they find is that if I'm clear in speaking to someone really, really clearly, um, it's much more resonant with everybody. So don't be afraid. It's okay. And truthfully, I mean, depending on your website traffic, for most of us, taking a chance on the website for a week or two isn't going to have a huge impact on our business over time. Absolutely. I love that. Perfect. Super stuff. Thank you, listen. And actionable tip number two, please, sir. Number two. Um, so this is related to copy, but it's also related to sales. Um, I would say that you should build this into your process. Every time you 
get new business or lose business, ask them why. Um, what that will do for you is it will start to clarify what is it about you and your business that's resonating with people. Um, of course, you're going to hear the greatest hits. Your price was too high for the if you lose, right? Your price was too high. Someone else had more experience. Things like that. But you may hear a couple surprises in there where you say, oh, goodness, <laughs> I could have communicated that that's something I'm really good at, but I didn't bother to do it. I'm going to build that into my copy or I'm going to build that into my sales process. Um, similarly, when you win projects, always ask people. Um, ask people why they chose you and not someone else. Assume it's okay at this point to assume and say, I'm sure you did your research. I'm sure you talked to other people. Why did you choose us and not someone else? Um, and then record all of those answers. And as you tally them up over time, you're going to see a trend. You're going to see repeatable, predictable reasons why you lose um, and pre repeatable, predictable reasons why you're winning business. Um, and that should also inform long-term the direction of your business. Yeah, I like that. I really like that because if, the, if there are trends cropping up that that you don't necessarily know about and actually that you probably take for granted. So we, you know, we, we chose to work with you because of we, you just got on, we just liked your personality or, you know, the price was a little bit higher, but we felt like you could deliver in the time frame. You can start to craft everything that you do around these, as you say, they're around the USPs that are in there. And mm -hmm. I find so much, and I find this in my own businesses that you take for granted what you take for granted and no one, <laughs> right. no one was going to tell you that unless you ask them. So yeah, I really value that. I think that's perfect. And the well, third and sorry, go on. You were going to uh, Oh, I was just going to say, and you can treat that as, you know, those are real data points where over time, you know, even though you and I intuitively know a lot about our business, absolutely. I'm not saying you don't, but as you tally up these data points, you're going to see some real trends and have um, actual data to back up any of your intuitions or refute them. So actionable tip number three, add a healthy layer of social proof or data to increase your credibility. Now you see this in software all the time, right? Where they say, join 5,784 other people who signed up for this to this week. Um, and the reason that is so powerful, you mentioned Cialdini earlier. Um, the reason that is so powerful is that we as human beings live in a very complicated world. It's hard to make sense of it. We're always at a disadvantage because we don't have complete information. It's super confusing. Some people say one thing, other people say another. And as we see crowds gathering and other people affirming that what we have is good or credible, um, that becomes a shortcut, a heuristic, a rule of thumb for people to make a decision themselves. So if they want you know, a project management software to go back to Basecamp, if they want a project management software and they know thousands and thousands of people are signing up to this in droves every single week, that may be influential to them and let them know, hey, I'm not the only person taking a risk on this. It really minimizes the risk and communicates that there's something good there for them. Um, similarly, I'm in the process of launching a new website for myself. <clears throat> Another thing you see all the time is having social proof through logos of businesses or publications, which is going to go right on my homepage and it's going to say, as featured on. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have seen it. Um, you have a little bit of a chicken or the egg problem because it can be hard in the early days to get published until you're published somewhere else. Uh, but once you figure that out, make sure you tell people, um, 
that you've had a stamp of approval put on you by others. You know, in some ways, I get that by being a guest on your podcast, right? Your audience all of a sudden thinks, well, there's some social proof there. Mark thought Liston was worth his time and published the podcast. So, you know, think about ways in which you can develop your own social proof and make sure you weave that right into the core of your message. I love it. And three amazing tips there as well. And what I love about all those tips there, listeners, they're they inform not only the copy that you're writing, but they inform the mindset that you can take forward. They inform the direction of your strategy, the direction of your business. So that that is really, really, really useful. And just before we wrap up, Liston, can you just tell the guys listening where they can check out you online, please? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on my own website, goodfunnel.co. That's G-O-O-D-F-U-N-N-E-L.co. You can email me, of course, and I welcome anybody to email me directly. I read and respond to everything myself. My email address is listen at goodfunnel.co, or you can hit me on Twitter at law4. Love it. Sir, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. I had a great time. Excellent news. Excellent news. And guys, listen, we are going to put everything as ever in the show notes, links to goodfunnel.co. And of course, Liston's email address will be available in the show notes at excellence-expected.com. And listen, whilst you're over there, don't forget that you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. And if you're feeling generous, if perhaps you've got a few minutes spare, why not head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave the show an excellent review. We expect it. Thank you very much. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.